0: Welcome everyone and welcome back to Operation History, a podcast where history is more than what you remember. Tonight we only have two of us. We've got David.
1: Hello everybody.
0: And if you can't tell by now, this is me, Lauren. Um, In this episode we are going into the interesting topic of the Bone Wars. Um, So without further ado, let's not waste any time and I will hand the mic over to David
1: to start. Awesome. So before we get started off with the podcast, I got to get a couple of things. I got a couple of things I need to get get out there. So first off, happy Saturday, everybody. I hope everyone's had a good week and I hope everyone has exciting plans for their uh, Sunday, Monday. We're recording this Saturday. That's why I'm mentioning those days. Also, I'm sure... 98% of you picked up this by now. I teach in some capacity. um, And thankfully, in the last couple of weeks, I've been blessed to go to some of my students' graduations. So congrats to the class of 2023. You've made it. The world is scary at times, but we here at the pod wish you the best of luck. And no matter how weird things get, there's always a light at the end of the tunnel, even if it's weird and somewhat faded. Yes, congratulations. And also, to-
0: welcome yes. to the rest of your life, high schoolers and college students. <laughs> congratulations on making it at any capacity. colleges. a lot. Good job.
1: And for the students of mine who are listening to this, I hope you're ready for the story that we are about to tell you. So, Warren, because when I proposed this episode, No one in the group chat knew what I was talking about. Um, So what did you learn from the Bone Wars?
0: So I had no idea anything about this. Um, We kind of have a little grid in our Google Drive for upcoming episodes that we want to do. And you had had Bone Wars on it for a little bit. And this entire time... I had no idea what that meant. I kind of was like, I want to research it right before. Um, So I was putting it off and oh my goodness, what a crazy wild story of literally just two guys who are like, you know what? I don't like you. So I will literally do so many crazy, illegal, (laughs) terrible, shady things just to
1: be like, I'm better than you. Absolutely. whoever thought that early american paleontology at least for these two spotlighted stars would be as uh down and dirty as it was so it's
0: i know that they were going to make a movie out of it and then they weren't but make the hulu tv show um can i share with you guys a conversation that um, we know Ethan he's been on the podcast he's my roommate um can I share the conversation that we had via text today A bit. Go for. It. so this really wraps up what I think what everyone's reaction to it and I think the reaction of people that may be listening right now I said we podcast tonight and he said oh what's the pod on and I said the bone wars and he said the f is bone wars question mark and I said, two white guys obsessed with fossils. It's actually pretty interesting. Wild times. So I feel like that's going to be a lot of today and a lot of um, reactions when people listen to this. <laughs> yeah,
1: and I'm I'm pretty excited about it because most of you I think have figured out from conversations. I am I'm big on dinosaurs. Um, I'm nerdy about it, and this is one of the best ways of highlighting especially some of the cutthroat business efficiencies is applied to the world especially in the scientific world and the bone wars is an example of that the bone wars does have another name the more scientific name is the first jurassic rush uh which starts as fun It, it it's it's not as fun Bone Wars does sound a lot cooler. It sounds more scary. Um, but it's actually called the first Jurassic Rush. Um, and typically, most historians uh, categorize the year as 1898. It is between two rich, up-and-coming people in the paleontology world who are in charge of various museums. And I'm talking about uh, Marsh and Edward Rinker Cope. Um, both these men have very different upbringings. Both these men approach uh, the world of paleontology and getting fossils different. But at the end of the day, when everything is said and done and the war ends, they're both broke. Paleonti- the field of paleontology is called into question not just by the public, but by the federal government. And the museums that they worked for had to take a step back and reevaluate themselves. So at the end of this, there's some good, and there's a lot of we have to reevaluate the way that we do things. um so the bone Wars, the first Jurassic rush is all about fossil digging in the United States. And when I mean United States, I primarily mean, over in Colorado and some parts of uh, the East Coast. So, Orthaniel C. Marsh grew up pretty poor in New York. Um, his uncle, however, is George Peabody. Peabody was a very rich uncle. He had around $8 million. He donated $8 million to the state of Maryland, which was tax-free um, to get to bail them out of their debt. Lived in Massachusetts in what was called South Danvers, but his impact on Massachusetts and the greater world led them to change the name to the city of Peabody. So George Peabody was a rich man, um, and when he passes, um, he donates his fortunes to Marsh. Um, Marsh also convinces George Peabody to make the Peabody Museum. So Uncle George made that museum for Marsh and Marsh's adventures. I wish I had an uncle like that. I wish I had a rich uncle. <laughs> um, whereas Cope, he grew up in a Quaker family in Pennsylvania. He grew up in an influential family. They had money. They had connections. Um, and Cope was able to travel Europe, get uh, his studies done in zoology, um, invertebrate studies. He actually meets Marsh in Germany when they're both mentoring underneath the same person. It's in Germany that tensions start to develop between the two. They're both young. They're both trying to break into this new field. They both have money to spend. And dinosaurs at this point are pretty open-ended and don't have a lot of meaning yet, especially when it comes to the United States. So this is their chance to make their marks. Um Eventually, other major people will get involved more in the second Jurassic Rush, but people like Carnegie um, will eventually get involved, too. So, as time goes on, there are different phases of the Jurassic Rush, which we are not going to get fully into today. That could be later topics. It could. (laughs) Do-do-do. Um, The first major event, and this leads to the hint we gave all of you this week, was the rebuilding of the Elasmosaurus fossil. Try saying that six times fast. Um, The head of this dinosaur, which for those who did not see it, it's an aquatic dinosaur. It doesn't have any forearms, but it has four flippers. Um, It's very much related to Nessie or the Loch Ness Monster um, or the Loch Ness Creature whatever flips your boat. Um, when they were reconnecting the dinosaur, the thought was, Cope originally thought that the head went where the tail went. Now, to be fair to Cope, it is relatively new. There's not a lot of them out. But Marsh pointed out this error in newspaper. So imagine reading a newspaper and saying, oh, that's silly. Yeah, that, this guy's an idiot. And so Cope then tries to do the reasonable thing, buy all the newspapers that publish the article to suppress the news. Um, he's not successful, and this is one of the first major breaking points between Marsh and Cope. Now, Marsh is a bit of a jerk, and I put most of the blame on Marsh, not just for the fossil shenanigans, but also the second event, which was diverting fossils meant for Cope to Marsh's personal museum. Um, In New Jersey, they find a hadrosaur, which a hadrosaur, please Google it, it's a fantastic looking thing. Um, But one hadrosaur is found in New Jersey. And Cope invited Marsh down so they could take a look at it, kind of extend that olive branch and when marsh tries buying the dinosaur cope says no this is going to be for us for my museum but this is some cool things that we're discovering um whereas marsh then responds by paying off the trail the um railway workers to send that hadrosaur to marsh a piece of work
0: uh, yeah like he's it's, trying to be nice to you and then
1: you just do that and I think you kind of saw some of the same things. Do you have the same idea that Marsha's kind of to blame for this? He's morning? kinda yeah, like all he had to do is mind his business. <laughs> like, come on. <laughs> um but so these men will try to always outdo each other, even having the most publications. They'll spend the most amount of money, a egregious amount of money, um, to have the most fossils it will get to the point where they put together fossils who don't go together to say that they have a complete set for their museums because the more dinosaurs the more people will come to their museums the bigger their names they get the more publications they could get so this is kind of both these men trying to outdo the other any way possible financially oh sorry um, I
0: thought I also saw uh, in one of my sources that they were like even resorting to destroying fossils just so the other person couldn't get this to them
1: I'm gonna get to that
0: <laughs> oh, okay because that's <laughs> so bananas to me
1: <laughs> yeah no I'll at the very end I'm gonna talk about some of the the pros and cons of all of this um okay. and that's definitely <laughs> a spoiler alert oh, <laughs> you didn't read the other stuff too. Oh, I got I got some other stuff that I read along the way. Um, I'll, yeah, I'll let you know once we get there. Um, <laughs> spoiler alert: as we get uh more, as both men are digging through, they do find some very iconic dinosaurs. Um, the diplocus is one of them. The Allosaurus is another dinosaur, and I think. The dinosaur that resonates with all of our hearts is the Stegosaurus. Of course. Um, All three of these uh, species are found in the United States. They're put together. They're starting to be put on display. There are articles written about them. So we do get famous dinosaurs from this event, which again, there's, there's going to be a lot more to it, but we do have some positives here. Um, and they tried to beat each other out through competition. They would bid out other people so they would pay railway companies, they would pay customs agents, they would bribe customs agents to make sure certain dinosaurs from certain museums didn't get over the coast um or they were delayed in being shipped. So that way they could the other person could display their dinosaurs first. Um again, Cope and Marsh are both equal to blame in this one. Mm-hmm if they couldn't outbid the other person they would do the other reasonable thing which would be steal fossils from the other side um they would have spies in enemy ca- in the other team's camps to see how much time they had left to either disrupt operations or pull funding um they would destroy dinosaur bones if they couldn't haul them It also got to the point where both sides would hire um, men with guns to go to the other camp and shoot at the other side so that way the other side didn't have the dinosaurs and if you took a couple of them out, hey, that's okay. Um, So it did get bloody. It did um, get cutthroat, but again, you know, we've seen this with big business from the Gilded Age and we've seen this with the Monopoly system. So this isn't totally unknown for the time period but it just the fact that science is impacted by these monopoly systems is mind-boggling to me because science is not out there to make money science is there to highlight things give us information and show us a different perspective how to look at things so that was the interesting part for me um but it gets even better because eventually the federal government becomes involved. Uh Warren, did you see any of this when you were investigating?
0: Um
1: A little bit, but mostly I
0: saw the um like railroad worker debacles mm-hmm. where, you know, this guy's paying off the marsh, I think is Paying everyone to keep quiet about these fossils. Um and then Cope stales them, and then Marsh isn't making his payments, so they're like, never mind, we're gonna go with Cope instead. I did see that the federal government got involved, but not like in detail, I guess.
1: So the United States Congress actually investigates this entire thing. Um and the reason why Congress gets involved is because there's federal money um, that is invested in this. Um, so, what I'm referencing is the US Geological Survey, is what's called at the time. Um, the US Geological Survey was meant to survey newly acquired federal lands, and evaluate what's on there. So, is there oil? Is there gold? Is there uranium? Is there what hard? Minerals are in these places for the government. How can we value this properly? Uh, And included in that was dinosaur bones, because dinosaur bones were categorized differently. Uh, They're hard material, but not for production purposes. They're used for other things. Cope would become a major player within the U.S. Geological Survey. He is appointed by Congress to oversee the entire operation. Um, so he goes out with the U.S. Geological Survey, he investigates the land, um, and he had federal money at his disposal. Well, whenever he went to a federal area, those dinosaur bones would then go to his museum. So the question became, is he personally purchasing these, or is the federal government Because then the question becomes, well, if it's federal money used to pay for these dinosaur bones, they belong to the federal government. If they don't, then they belong to the museum, but why does does he have exclusive rights to these fossil bones? This is the question that Marsh brings up. So Marsh ends up going to Congress and says, well, it's ironic that these dinosaur bones under your di- jurisdiction are going to a private museum and hope is using um, Cope is using your money taxpayer money to make these purchases which is illegal and unethical at this point i think all of us can see why cope is absolutely done with marsh's shenanigans cope actually drags marsh in front of congress and says, this man is trying to um, slander my name when he's actually at fault. And here are all of these workers to testify that he's actually like this. So there's a whole court record from the set, from Congress um, about this. And it doesn't make its way to the newspaper, but Congress knows that Martian Cope 1 have the most toxic beef. But two, Marsh is just to blame as Cope is for all the shenanigans. I remember this now. Yeah, um, it's and all coming back. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Cope is not just done, he's about to go nuclear because throughout the years, he, Cope has recorded everything Marsh has done. Um, every business activity, every payment, every bribe, you name it, Cope has, through his spies and informants, has categorized this. He meets with, Cope has met with a newspaper, the New York Herald at this point, and tells the investigative reporter, this is what's going on. This is everything that Marsh does. Now, Marsh has committed felonies, federal crimes, um, and Cope lays all that out. When the article comes out, it doesn't focus just on Marsh, it focuses on Cope as well. And it gets to the point where this talks talk about when people have too much money, is this what happens? These two scientists are at war with each other. A very bitter war. And what's the point of all of it? Um, And that's what makes national headlines. So it's not all the great dinosaur discoveries. Not the advancements in evolution. It is two people to scientists who are just waging this personal war i guess to the point where scientific journals like nature kind of renounce the entire thing like we're not going to talk about this anymore if these two publish something it's not going to go into the newspaper because we don't want the editorials you have people who are diehard copes diehard martians um not like the not like from mars but martians like people who support marsh um but you have these these people who write long articles refuting the other side and scientific papers like we can't be involved in this anymore. Like, this is taken away from what we're supposed to be doing. And Marsh owns nature. So for nature to say that, you know, it's kind of a we need to take a step back here. Which kind of gets to the pros and cons of the Bone Wars, which is the pro is it does advance paleontology. It does put vertebrate um, paleontology on the forefront. It puts inadvert, um paleontology at the forefront. So there is all this great scientific discovery, museums open to the public, museums at a reduced rate start becoming normal. This is all fantastic, but it also puts these fields in the public crosshairs of is this what these fields are doing? If this what these fields are doing, is it actually beneficial that we invest our money in this? Is this actually worth our time to do? Um, at the very end, and there this gets way more in depth. Um, especially it gets more in the second Jurassic rush, but so on their way to the top. Of the academic ladder they have lost sight of what what they were trying to accomplish at the end of the day both men lost their prestige people refused to work on any project that was associated with either man which is great because minor museums started getting a boost very talented people were going and giving their services to them which is great it was able to diversify the field um both men lost, died broke. A hundred percent broke. Um, both men had sold their homes, were leasing them out. Uh, and what respect they had developed was also canned. Um, both people thought they were bitter enemies that held on to grudges, and it wasn't healthy to hold on to those grudges. Um so after the first drastic Jurassic Rush, Bone Wars. There's a downturn in paleontology, but it would be absolutely renewed with the second Jurassic Rush, which is 1910s, um, and that boils over into World War One and World War II, which is a whole other topic for a whole other time. Um, I have talked a lot. Lauren, what you got?
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just so, like, like you said, they got so wrapped up in this like heady rivalry. And I read like when they were before all this drama happened, they weren't necessarily best friends, but when they were discovering new like species, they were naming them after each other.
1: They were. Um they had the same men- they had the same mentor for a time too in Germany. Right. Um, so they were in they were very cordial with each other um not like you know the best but you know they would at least say hi they would at least collaborate when you need to um and they would work together at times so you know the the glory the trying to own up to the family name really hinders the overall goal Which right was... within
0: like 30 years i think it was cope i think saw one source that said like like you said i mean after everything was going on with congress and everything i mean they were losing they lost their jobs No don't want to do it, have anything to do with them and i think it was coped that one it was very like probably a little bit of an exaggeration but they said he died with like on a cot just surrounded by his fossils because that's all he had left
1: yeah, um, they, they lived in their office not just because right. they were obsessed with their work, but because they were they were broke. Everything went into everything went into fossils for them.
0: Yeah. And then I saw there was a third guy not necessarily um involved with it, in fact was explicitly not involved with this, called Joseph
1: Um Lady. So Lady's actually the mentor for both of them.
0: Okay, because I saw he was the first vertebrae paleontologist in the U.S. So, and he namely was like, this is stupid. Like, I'm stepping out from the spotlight here.
1: Well, and that was, you know, in for these two, there are a bunch of paleontologists who didn't participate and still wanted to advance the field. And um Lee is one of them. I mean, he's a mentor for both. Um, He does correspond, I believe, with Cope more than Marsh, especially mm-hmm. once they come back um, from Germany, but these are, again, these are, this is the minority. It's just right. crazy amount of money and crazy amount of prestige on both names, which just gets them the spotlight. Yeah, um, it's
0: insane. So, um, we were talking about this before we started about the podcast that we really liked. I know Dino, like, I know Dino.com um, was really helpful. And I thought it was interesting. They had one kind of quote that they named like 144 species during this time, but only 32 are still considered like valid species, like confirmed. And it's just, you go through all this work and all of this, like, you're going after people with guns, you are destroying fossils. And now today, it's like, yeah, that was cool, but you were off base. I mean, they were for so many reasons, but...
1: And only like that, we don't know what's dinosaur species we may have lost because we'll never know what was in those crates that were destroyed. Right. So for the good that they did, they also hurt the field too by not just painting a negative image, but also by destroying fossil bones and fossil...
0: That should really have been a wake-up call, I think. Like, I'm willing to destroy, like, something that i put my entire life and heart into just so that this
1: other guy doesn't get it. Like, And and that's the other thing, too. And fossils are not easy to find. They're not everywhere. There's only select spots that actually have a good amount of fossils. And even those, like, it's very like a small percentage of the overall biodiverse... Population that okay. was in that area. So, one day we'll figure out the full damage, but I think we still have to figure out, you know, what species that they created were our actual, not Frankenstein's, and our actual genuine dinosaurs. Right.
0: People be crazy in the golden age, man. They didn't know what was going on. <laughs>
1: But boy they acted like they did but i mean in in this goes to i you know this is right after the civil war and this is when people are trying to redefine what the nation is and redefine what their lineage and their heritage is and this is this is part of that it's part of i need to keep the family name going i need to make a name for myself also oh um, they
0: certainly did
1: in some ways They, they, they left a lasting (laughs) legacy. (laughs) So I think we've covered everything. I know this is a little shorter than normal, but we wanted to make sure that we got this out to everyone, give you all the basic facts. So that way you had something to go off of, and you'll learn a little bit more about this cool piece of history. So, um, Thank you all for tuning into this episode. We really appreciate all of you out there who listen and support us um, any way that you can. Um, So if you are new and would like to show your support, you can rate, download, review, and subscribe to the show wherever you can get your podcasts. On a side note, Spotify now allows you to rate podcasts and... Uh, leave comments. So if there's a certain episode you want to leave a comment about um, either Titanic on the oil spills Mayflower, you name it uh, go ahead and you leave your comment there and we can take a look at it and we can also respond. Along with leaving us a comment there you can also interact with us at a few different places including Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Excuse me. For uh, Facebook it's operation history. Um, you can shoot us an email operation history podcast at gmail.com on Twitter. It's operation hist. Um, and you can view our web, um, our website, operation history podcast, wordpress.com for all the show notes and episodes. Once everything is uploaded. So on a parting note, don't let your ego get in the way. Compromise, collaborate, and let the world see all the cool dinosaurs that you find. So, on that note, thank you again for joining us here at Operation History, and we are signing out.